Welcome. This is Neil Grant, author of the book, Words of Wisdom from a Christian Mentor, Practical, Real Life, and Holistic Advice for the Graduate Transitioning into Adulthood. The paperback is for sale on my website, newgradadvice.com. Also, both the ebook and the paperback book are for sale on Amazon. My last podcast discussed making Christianity meaningful by presenting various topics about Christianity, which will enhance your walk with the Lord. This podcast addressed one of my favorite talk topics about making Jesus your Savior and Lord. Before my wife and I became Christian, she was having lunch with some Christian women in the neighborhood, and they were discussing Christianity. Before my wife and I became born-again Christians, she was having lunch with some Christian women in the neighborhood and were discussing Christianity. My wife knew one born-again Christian, her brother-in-law, who was an alcoholic and treated her sister miserably. Is he really a Christian, she asked. While there was a bit of a disagreement, one woman said that he could be saved, but he's never made Jesus the Lord of his life. That phrase has really hit home with my wife, and she knew that while she loved Jesus, she had never accepted him as her Savior, nor had she made him the Lord of her life. That night, she asked Jesus to come into her life as her Savior and made a commitment for him to be the Lord of her life. We Christians are eager to spread the word that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead as a sacrifice to save us from our sins, and whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life, which is a paraphrase of John 3.16. When we do this, Jesus comes into our lives and we are saved, and we will spend eternity with him. This is a free gift from God and is not a result of anything we have done. We cannot earn our way into heaven. As a corollary, we can do nothing to negate this gift once received. So the phrase, once saved, always saved, to me is true. But this is only part of the story. We now have a Savior, but is he also the Lord of our life? Paul wrote, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, and that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father and God. That's Philippians 2, 9 through 11. So what does it mean to be the Lord of our life? For Jesus to become Lord of a person's life involves absolute and total surrender. There can be no better example of a total surrender than F.B. Meyer, who said that his early Christian life was marred and his ministry was paralyzed just because he had kept one key from a bunch of keys that he had given to the Lord. Every key except one. The key of one room was kept for personal use, and the Lord was shut out. The effect of this incomplete commitment was found in a lack of power, a lack of assurance, a lack of joy and peace. The joy of the Lord begins when we hand over every last key to him. We will sit before the throne of Christ and surrender our crowns, which are our rewards in heaven, and make him sole and only ruler of our life and possessions. F.B. Meyer experienced the lordship of Jesus Christ when he handed over that last key. He had kept back the root key to one room in his life, and it brought great defeat. Remember, if he is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. 
Have you yielded keys to every room in your life? Does he have the key to every room in your physical, public, and private life? Is there a room marked private keep out? If so, you must be willing to surrender that key to the Lord. Unfortunately, today we have too many other masters in most of our lives with whom Jesus has to compete. But the important thing to remember is that Jesus is not willing to be one of many. Jesus as Lord means that Jesus is to be the one and only supreme ruler and master of your life. He calls the shots, and he is to be acknowledged in everything that is done. Too many people want Jesus to be their Savior, but don't want him to be their Lord. Because of this, many individuals today are experiencing the result of denying Christ publicly. They want the deluxe Jesus, who has provided his free gift of life, with him for eternity once we accept him as Savior. But they don't want the platinum Jesus, the one to whom we must surrender the entirety of our being when we make him Lord of our life. This is a challenge to all Christians to bring every area of our lives under sovereign rule of Jesus Christ. In our lives, there should be no rivalry for his lordship. There is coming a day when every person who has lived will bow and acknowledge Jesus Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Accepting Jesus as Savior is a one-time event, but making Jesus Lord needs to be an everyday reality. A Christian should live moment by moment in faithful submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, it involves a recognition of his Lordship for the Savior who saved us when we received him by faith as the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot receive him as Savior only. We receive him as Lord and Savior. However, for some, yielding to Jesus as Lord is subsequent to their conversion. So what does it mean to say that Jesus Christ is Lord? For Jesus to be the Lord of your life means that he is the ruler, the boss, the master of your whole life. He cannot be Lord of a part. He must be given control of your entire life. Don't underestimate the importance of private life. Although more attention is often given to the physical body, our true spiritual health is determined by the spirit and soul, not the body. The outward life expresses the inner life. The outward life involves our eyes, ears, our lips, our hands, our feet, our entire body. Our public life is expressed by what we see, what we say, what we hear, where we go, and what we do. It's so important that Jesus be Lord over our public life, and more importantly, our private life. What does it involve to say Jesus Christ is Lord? What must a person do in order for Jesus to be Lord of his life? The answer is, yield your life to him. This involves taking your hands off the controls of your life and allowing him to be in control. Yielding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ also involves total and unreserved obedience. If he is the Lord of your life, you are going to do what he tells you to do. This is exactly what many saved Christians are not willing to do. Many consider the most important word in Christian vocabulary today is obedience. We move forward in spiritual growth in direct proportion to our obedience to the revealed truth of God's word. Jesus raised an important question. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Luke 6:46 Are you doing what the Lord has instructed you to do? Are you doing immediately and exactly? Are you obeying God? 
The Lordship of Jesus Christ involves willing service. There must be a time in your life when you, like the prophet Isaiah, are willing to say, here I am, I, Lord, send me. The three A's of Christian service are anywhere, anytime, and any cost. The Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives involves our willingness to go where he sends us, when he sends us, and regardless of the cost. If Jesus is the Lord in this area of your life, can you honestly say anywhere, Lord, anytime, any cost, Lord? The Christian life is a wonderful life. Christ has made every provision for his children to live a full and abundant lives. But there is a cost involved. Such a life does not come cheaply nor easily. The life Christ has for his children requires we die to ourselves. There can be no rivals to the throne of our life. It is to be occupied by Jesus alone. In 1994, my boss asked me to move to Kuwait for an extended assignment. And I remember my proudful prayer about this to the Lord. Oh, Lord, I know you don't want me to go there as I am heavily involved in teaching Sunday school. I have an active prison ministry and I'm still coaching my son's sports teams. But I'll go if it's your will. Parenthetically, I know it's not. Five days later, I was on the plane to Kuwait, which truly turned out to be an unbelievable blessing in our Christian walk. While there, our weekends were Friday and Saturday, but our church had Sunday evening services to worship the Lord. A few of us decided to start a Friday morning worship service, and seven of us met in one couple's apartment for fellowship, singing, and a message. It grew to nine, then 11, then it got to 13, and we decided we needed a new venue. My wife and I volunteered to meet the pastor of our local church to see if he had any options for us at that church facility. He told us that this was a real answer to prayer to have a Friday morning English speaking service. And if we met his biblical teaching criteria, he'll build a tent for us. After all, we met and were in agreement. He had a large concrete pad poured in a large tent, maybe 50 by 200 feet, assembled with fans to keep us comfortable. Our group of 13 grew to over 200 people of all English literate nationalities by the time we left to return home. Our time there was a true blessing and an answer to prayer, and I'm so thankful that we did accept the assignment to Kuwait and we were obedient to God's calling. The Sovereignty of God If you were to look up the word sovereign in the dictionary, you would find words and phrases like superior, greatest, supreme in power and authority. Regarding God, the best way to define this is to simply say God is in control. There's absolutely nothing that happens in this universe outside of God's influence and authority. As King of Kings and Lord of Lords, God has no limitation. That's what being sovereign means. It means being the ultimate source of all power, authority, and everything that exists. Only God can make those claims. Therefore, it's God's sovereignty that makes him superior to all of the gods and makes him and him alone worthy of worship and being the Lord of our life. How does God's sovereignty impact my daily life? God's God's sovereignty does the following. A, it calls for our submission. He's the creator of the entire universe. B, it provides us with comfort. He's in control over all things. And finally, C, it inspires us to worship. 
He is our Lord. No doctrine is more despised by the worldly mind than the truth that God is absolutely sovereign. Human pride loathes the suggestion that God orders everything, controls everything, and rules over everything. The carnal mind burning with enmity against God abhors the biblical teaching, and nothing comes to pass except according to his eternal decrees. Most of all, flesh hates the notion that salvation is entirely God's work. If God chose who would be saved, and if his choice was settled before the foundation of the world, then the believers deserve no credit for any aspect of their salvation. Admittedly, these truths are hard for the human mind to embrace, but scripture is unequivocal. God controls all things right down to choosing who will be saved. So let's talk about design, divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Scripture affirms both divine sovereignty and human responsibility. We must accept both sides of the truth, they, though we may not understand how they correspond to one another. People are responsible for what they do with the gospel or whatever light they have, Romans 2.19. So that punishment is just if they reject the light. And those who reject this do so voluntarily. Jesus lamented, you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life, John 5.40. He told unbelievers, unless you believe that I am God, you shall die in your sins, John 8.24. In John 6, our Lord combined both divine sovereignty and human responsibility when he said, All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For this is the will of my Father, and everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. And no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. How both of these two realities can be true simultaneously cannot be understood by the human mind, only by God. But do not misunderstand. We have a human responsibility to honor and praise God in all that we say and do. And most importantly, to make him the Lord of our life. So what's the takeaway message here? Many have accepted Jesus as their Savior, but not all want him to be Lord of their lives. To receive the full grace of God, we need to surrender our entire life to him, and he is in absolute control. We have free will, and we can choose to sin, but we need to make the decision to allow him in as our Lord, the sovereign God. I hope this has been helpful to you in better understanding what it means to make Jesus the Lord of your life. This is one of my favorite topics and something I've been working on for a long time. My next podcast addressed key aspects of understanding the Bible. Someone quite confidently told me that he didn't really need to go to church to help him understand the Bible, as he could read it and fully understand what it was saying. I smiled, knowing that he probably wasn't reading it at all, and if he did, he mistakenly thought it was always crystal clear. This next podcast will continue a few thoughts in this area. Please join me to learn more about this topic. Well, that's it for now. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please visit my website, New Grad Advice, for more information on the book and these podcasts. And that's it for now. So belong. Bye.